Swing Live. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome to Digital Babylon. Uh, today we're going to discuss uh, a book by David Kinneman and Mark Matlock called Faith for Exiles. Uh, we're going to pick up uh, where we left off and, and uh, their byline for their book is uh, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. And we've been, we've been talking about Digital Babylon and what it does. And so uh, he, he developed a term called residual exiles. And, and in 2011, uh, Kenneman wrote a book called You Lost Me. And in that book, it shows that 59% of young adults with a Christian background dropped out of church involvement. In less than a decade, that number increased to 64%, which is an increase 8.5%. So uh, what's happening? That the young people are falling out from the church. That's one of the questions. He said, our contention is that today's society is especially and insidiously faith-repellent. Now, Faith repellent doesn't necessarily just mean the, the secular world, but it's the church as well. People that want to believe God and step out in faith and walk where God has clearly said it's okay to walk, uh, they get in trouble because faith is not necessarily looked upon as a strong attribute. Uh, many times when someone wants to step out in faith, you'll hear things like, well, now God's given you a, a, a mind, you know, you, you, you need to think about this. He gave you a mind to think through these things, uh, which is kind of the antithesis of what we're talking about. Um, the next thing that he, that he speaks of is uh, building resilient faith is tougher when you use last century's growth model. Building resilient faith, people... The, whose faith is capable of standing up to the tests and trials of today is difficult when you use last century's model for growth. I know uh, we had a, a pastor in our church that had been there 25 years, a Methodist church, and it's an amazing accomplishment, but he was there for, set, for 25 years. And when they brought in a replacement for him, uh, the gentleman was uh, advanced in age. He was, I think he was 82 when he came in. And um, after a couple of weeks in there, I asked our, our uh, finance committee chair, I said, what do you think of, of the new pastor? And he had a great line. He says, well, if we ever go back to the 1950s, we'll be prepared for it. And that's one of the problems that we have. The church is not forward-looking. The church is backward-looking. And uh, we don't want to be in the 1950s mode. Uh, I think you, 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 you understand that. Now, Digital Babylon, one of the things we want to talk about, people have deep spiritual longings. Um, that we, need to, we need to lovingly tend them and skillfully cultivate those desires in someone's heart. Okay? Now, within that heart, uh, what are the things that Digital Babylon does to, to offset that? Well, there's binging television, uh, immersive gaming, social media scrolling. Those, those three things, especially binging on television, uh, 
used to, uh, when they'd have a show, uh, I'll just take Bonanza, the classic. Uh, Every week they'd have a different episode, and each season had about 24 episodes. Today, when they release a show like that, they release all of them at once. So you can just sit down and just watch them all 10, 12, 13 hours at a time. That's binging television. Uh, immersive gaming, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about the games that, uh, that these kids are wanting to play. When I was a young man, back in the 60s, we had board games. And we had strategic board games that talked about various historical battles and things like that. You actually had to learn history, and you learned about uh, historical facts by playing these games. Today, it's just shoot them up. You know, it, it's not good when people think that that's what uh, you know they spend their time doing. Uh, social media—they spend a lot of time on social media, scrolling around to see what so and so is doing, and on and on. Um, now, if we're not vigilant and intentional, digital Babylon. Uh, glitzes and blights our days so completely that we never get a chance to pursue the deeper things of life. So uh, that's a problem, and we want to we want to address that. Many of us turn to our digital devices to help us make sense of the world. Young people, especially, use the screens in their pockets as counselors, entertainers, instructions, uh, even sex education. And I like what one one uh, young girl told him when they were interviewing him, why should, and basically this was the summary of what she said, why build up the courage to have what will likely be an awkward conversation with an adult when you can just ask your phone about it and no one will be the wiser? Anonymity. That's, uh, that's what it is. So uh, young people are turning to the screens so that they can Google the answers and get, get what, they, that what they feel uh, they need. Um, we can go on from there and see that uh, instantaneous access to information doesn't equal wisdom. Young people in the emerging generations, such as this young, as this uh, man will call Seth's daughter, are unclear about who to believe and where to turn for input and advice. Now. We'll use uh, Seth is the the name that we'll use here. Um, he had a new job. He's a remarkable guy, and Seth commented that as a family during the interview they were doing very well. Uh, his teenage daughter had taken the move the hardest. They had moved for the job, as you can well imagine, and he recently discovered on her search feed on her phone was filled with YouTube videos about depression and anxiety. And when he asked her about it, she told him that these videos helped her face the issues that, that, that she was encountering. Uh, he felt really bad because she didn't talk to him first, but then he realized how much mobile phones give our kids access to ideas about life and how to live. Uh, that's one of the issues that we have to... The, the phones, uh, while they're good technolo- technological advice, uh, devices... Uh, they compete with uh, with God's Word. They compete with parents to provide information. Um, the undercurrent of all of this might best be described as escalating anxiety. Um, I learned in, in the study of this, I learned the term FOMO, F-O-M-O. I, I'd never heard of it, 
but they describe it as fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Kids fear missing out on something because they weren't on Facebook or whatever. They go to bed at night Facebooking, wake up Facebooking, go to the bathroom in the night Facebooking, and on and on and on. Um, now, uh, artificial intelligence and the algorithms and machine le- learning are no longer novelty items. Uh, they're hidden, they, uh, and I like what, what Kinnaman said, they are hidden gatekeepers to curators of information and communication ungoverned by ethical or philosophical norms. Now, I want to say that again because this is very important. Today's algorithms and machine learning are no longer quirky novelties. They are the hidden gatekeepers to curators of information and communication ungoverned by ethical and philosophical norms. So, kids are getting information that's bad information, unfiltered, and they, because they're children, they don't really have the tools to figure out, well, this is good, this is bad, and so forth. Um, I go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, talks about sh- sh- teach these things to your kids so that they'll know what's going on. Uh, we've not done that. Um, these ideas that they're getting on Google and so forth are not anchored to moral and theological norms. Uh, the result is the algorithms that Google puts out and, and Facebook and so forth tell kids how to feel about themselves and what to think about the world. Uh, none of that is good. Now, we'll go on from there. And the point is that the disruptive, move fast, break things mode of complex technological innovation, that's a mouthful, I'll say it one more time. The point is that the disruptive, move fast and break things mode of complex technological innovation is emblematic of digital Babylon. Things are going so fast. Um, I read the other day that they say that information doubles every two years now. What my, when my mother-in-law died at 97, my pastor recommended that I do a memorial service based on what she experienced for, as a little girl in 1907 to when she died in 2004. Now, within that framework, what do we do? How does she deal with that? Well, today's information, and it was a great story, airplanes, you know, all the things that she experienced, but it happened over a lifetime. Today, things experience, things we experience today happen in, year, in years, weeks, and months. Um, if you want to do something really interesting, go to YouTube and look up the launch of the original iPhone in 2007. And um, and just watch what they advertised there and then look what they're advertising now. 2007 was iPhone 1. Now we've got iPhone 13. So you just have to watch and see what the, the difference is. I remember when uh, a camera came out in a phone, I thought, why in the world would anybody need a camera and a phone? Now it turns out Kodak and, and uh, some of the other places that made film, Fuji and so forth, they're out of business because... Nobody uses film anymore. They use their cameras. Um, All right. Screens affect humans in a variety of different ways. And I'll give you seven things that screens do, that that these little things do uh, to human beings. One, they push for the tyranny of now 
Uh, Charles Swindoll used to call that the tyranny of the urgent. Uh, they frame and filter reality. Um, they make people think this is what's real, what they're seeing on their screen. Uh, they weaponize humor by making snarky cool. Um, there's a lot of, of uh, bitter uh, humor uh, that, that they come up with. A lot of dark humor. Uh, they overload our choices. You've got so many choices to do, do things now. Uh, they fill our time and distract our minds. They make people more image conscious. And how difficult is that? Young girls, like I said, I don't have kids, so I, did, I missed all of this. But I do know that young girls are specifically targeted because of the way they look. They should fit a certain mode. They should be able to dance like this. They should be able to do this and so forth. Uh, and that's, that's destroying people's lives when they're 13 or 14 years old. Uh, they give people a sense of interacting and participating in a world that isn't real. Uh, now, get that. that. That's, I think, one of the most important aspects of this. They give people a sense of interacting and participating in a world that isn't real. Uh, you've, you've seen stories. There are certainly TV shows that show how predators, sexual predators, get on Facebook and, and other place and they create a persona that people think is real and that's how they they attract young girls I you could go on and uh, there's a show called web of lies that you can go see how they're trapped into this by thinking that it's real when it's not um, all right now we'll move on a little bit uh, the reaction of many people to these facts of exile is what we would call a low-level anxiety that never really goes away. It ratchets up to a higher level of anxiety. So, in other words, because of the comparisons on the phones and the things that the kids are trying to do, they live in a world of anxiety. These are, these are children. And I, try, I go back and think of the things that I got in trouble for the things that bothered me when I was a kid. Um, and I go back and I can think of, uh, you know, two things that we, we, we laugh about now. Uh, spitballs in class and um, smoking cigarettes, trying to find a place to smoke a cigarette uh, as, a, as a seventh or eighth grader. Uh, those were big things back then. They're not today. Uh, today they have metal detectors. They, you know, school is no longer a safe place to go. And as you can see from the controversy that's going on in Virginia and many other places, schools are teaching things that are just bizarre. And parents are now understanding what they've, what they've ceded to the public school system, what they've ceded to these educators, that they're teaching lies and they're teaching things that are destroying people's lives, not building them up. They're not learning history. They're not learning math. Um, uh, we could go on about that. There's a, a tire of the Seven Mountain uh, Mandate and, and uh, that uh, Johnny Enlow, Bill Bright, and Lance Wallnow talk about. One of the mountains is education. And when we cede that to the enemy, we get the things that are being taught today in, 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 uh, uh, in the classrooms. Uh, 
Generation Z is the most likely generation to admit seeing others' lives on social media makes them insecure. So you've got teenagers in the 20s, up into the 20s, that are insecure because they are comparing themselves to what they see on social media, which isn't real anyway. So not only are they feeling anxiety because they don't look this way, their standard of measurement isn't real anyway. So, more problems. Uh, within digital Babylon, relationships are much more complicated. Uh, there's social media, which always doesn't always make people social. Uh, the road to adulthood, including reaching the typical relational mileposts, that I you know, grew up, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? That, that was the answer. Uh, my mom asked me, when are you going to get married? My sister was married uh, and got long gone. By the time I got where I was in a position to be married, when are you going to get married? Well, you got to have somebody, mom, that wants to marry you for first of all. It took a while to find that. And But when are you going to have kids? Well, I'm not going to have kids. Why aren't you going to have kids? I don't want kids. And on and on and on. Those things are now being delayed substantially because kids are insecure about who they are and what, what's going on. So uh, the milepost, the goalpost for these social um, uh, mores and things that we've always thought, marriage, kids, and so forth, they don't buy cars anymore. They're, they're not doing the things that we did when we were younger. We need to be aware of that. Uh, now research is showing that young people are delaying marriage in part out of concern they'll make the wrong choice of a spouse that they'll make a wrong choice. I had, uh, Julia and I had an opportunity to move uh, from Columbus, Ohio. We had really good jobs in Columbus, Ohio to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I wanted to go to Rama Bible Training Center. And um, I wasn't able to, to complete that, that, that process. So as I did that, uh, as we got out there, friends of ours were out there. I'll never forget what he said. He made breakfast for me one morning. And he said, Andy, there's no law preventing you from moving from Columbus to Tulsa, Oklahoma. If it isn't God's will and you do it, God's big enough that he can, he can make it work out to your behalf. So don't be afraid to make a mistake, which is what I was doing. Kids are not that way today. They, they're afraid to make mistakes. So because of what they're seeing digitally, uh, that's becoming a controlling factor in their life. And we've allowed technology to outdistance our theology. And get this. We've allowed technology to outdistance our theology, and this has caused a lot of problems. Society has become accelerated and complex culture is what we're living in today. So, um, accelerated, everything moves faster. The news cycle, the speed of information, the pace of life, the rate of change, digital tools, and so forth. In preparing for this class, I was reading a book that uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote in 1970s, in, in the early 70s, late 60s. And he said, he was talking about the, the, the rate of change, the speed of things. And he made mention in this book, he said, he said, today you could have something happen in Africa and within a few hours you could know about it in New York. Well, that was in the 70s. Today... Something happens in Africa, seconds later you know about it in New York because of technology. So um, 
as things get faster, we've lost the ability to manage what's going on. Uh, complex. Uh, we refer to the fact that everyday life feels increasingly complicated and uncertain. Increasingly complicated and uncertain. Uh, Dave Kenneman wrote a book called You Lost Me, and it identifies three trends shaping young adults. One is access to information, and part of that problem is Wi-Fi. Everybody's got Wi-Fi now. Um, alienation. They were alienated from institutions and traditions that gave structure to our lives. Um, uh, growing up, when I got well, I got saved in a reform school, and it, I was having a, issues. Uh, let's just say I, uh, I was having what they call disciplinary issues. And uh, anyway, uh, during that time, uh, I ended up uh, alienating from trying to alienate from the structures that I grew up with. Well, when I got born again, and my wife and I, we learned church, uh, and some of you may find this hard to believe, but we go to church Sunday morning. We enjoyed going to church on, on Sunday night. Uh, we go to church on Wednesday night. And sometimes we'd have church on Friday night. And it wasn't just our church. That's the way it was back then. Well, they don't do that anymore. Um, now, uh, and I, I find it in my class, it's easier for people to do a Zoom class than it is to actually get up, go to, go to church, and, and be in a church. So And now sometimes, even when we have a class in church, we have a Zoom set up so people can join them in Zoom. So we're losing, technology is great, but we're losing something very des very important. Uh, the other thing is authority. Uh, most young people today view authority with suspicion. Now, um, within that framework, let's talk about ancient Babylon. Ancient Babylon was a uh, pagan, but it was spiritual, hyper-stimulated, multicultural. Uh, it was the uh, 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 leading economic center. Uh, uh, it became the unwilling uh, home for Judean exiles. As Nebuchadnezzar, Nabopolassar, and, and the kings back then, they went and they captured and they brought people back. It's kind of like ethnic cleansing, although they didn't kill them. They did remove them and bring them back uh, along with uh, all of their goods and, and the gold and so forth. Um, so the people there had to learn how to live in a different society. Daniel's a great example. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego are examples of how to live in a different society. We talked about that from Jeremiah chapter 29, what, what Jeremiah's instructions were to these people, and we'll bear in on that as, as we move through this. Uh, digital Babylon, oh, actually Babylon in the Bible is characterized as a culture set against the purposes of God. A human society that glories in pride, power, prestige, and pleasure. Okay, All of those things are tremendous lures to, to uh, believers. Men, women, uh, power, pleasure, all of that. Um, digital Babylon is our accelerated complex culture that is marked by phenomenal access, profound alienation, and a crisis of authority. The thing about Babylon 
was it was in a physical location. You could go, actually go find it. I believe that they said that uh, uh, Babylon was like 20 miles north of where uh, Baghdad is today. So, uh, digital Babylon is everywhere. If you've got access to Wi-Fi, you've got access to digital Babylon. You can get anywhere you want it. Pornography is a classic example of that. Um, when I was young, when I was in college, if you wanted to find pornography, you actually had to go find a place that had it, and then you go, you go, you went there. You couldn't. There's there's no such thing as access to it. Uh, they had stag films and th- that. That's back in the fifties. Today, it's three clicks and you're there. Whatever you want, whenever you want it. Nobody needs to know. So, digital Babylon is pressuring kids. It's all over. Um, Digital Babylon, remember, is not a physical place. It has all the characteristics of being paganized, uh, hyper-stimulated, multicultural, uh, an economic center. Uh, Amazon, who would have ever thought the thing like Amazon would dominate? Now, uh, it's interesting that Walmart is in competition with Amazon, and rather than Amazon trying to become like Walmart, Walmart is beginning to to look a little bit like Amazon. Okay, um, who would have thought that that you know you got control over your life? You've got movies coming in. Nobody remembers the the back in the early 2000s. There was a company named Enron. Uh, that crashed and burned, uh, the biggest bankruptcy. It was a tremendous scandal. And the thing that led them, uh, the, the last thing they tried to do was to have movies streaming over the Internet. Uh, they put this hundreds of millions of dollars in this thing, and they got one movie to stream from Seattle. Okay? So today I can pick up my phone right now and put Apple TV on, and I can watch any movie that I want. I don't even have to go see the movies anymore. Those places are declining because nobody pays to go see a movie. Why should I pay $9 to go see a movie when I can spend less than that, rent it, and stay at home? Technology is just changing everything about our lives. Now, let's move on and look at two other concepts we can get done uh, in today's class. Uh, let's talk about digital Babylon is where information uh, and anything you ever want or need is available instantly. Jerusalem would represent the old way of doing things. Jerusalem represents the church, um, the capital city. It's, it's mono-religious. It's slower-paced, homogenous, sweet and simple. It's not at all like digital Babylon. So, uh, the church that, that we grew up in uh, is not at all like digital Babylon. It was it was safe. Uh, you could go there. You, uh, I, Julie and I were talking about this the other day. We really looked forward to Wednesday night and Sunday night service. The pastor took his tie off and would sit down and have a, a, a extensive Bible study and, and provide diff- access. You could ask ask him questions and so forth. And then Wednesday night was kind of a worship service. Uh, and maybe the pastor would say, maybe somebody else, maybe we'd have uh, 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 Bible classes. Uh, 
Uh, I know in, in our church in Tulsa, we had what they called the Lay Leaders Institute, uh, where you'd go on there, have worship, and then you split the classes. And they had uh, entire classes, like college classes you could take, uh, taught by ORU uh, professors and so forth. Um, this transition from faith at the center to faith at the margins is happening in North America now. When the church was relevant, we would go there. That was the center of faith. And then you would, and then if, if, as you started to teach and you started to learn, your faith would outgrow into society. You would take your faith into society. Today, that's not the way it works. Faith is at the margin uh, because people don't need that. They can sit at home and do a Zoom service. They can watch on YouTube. Uh, they can get any kind of thing that they want. And they said, well, it's just me and God. We don't have to have other people involved. That is a, de- that is a desperate problem that the young people specifically are facing that we didn't face. And we need to understand what kind of pressures they're seeing in this environment. Now, um, data... Show and from from Barna and many other people uh, show that uh, widespread top to bottom changes from a Christianized to a post Christian society has had a dramatic impact on everyone's lives right now. Um, the last thing, the tension of displacement by Christians is this: in the formative time of their lives, they experienced uh, more. Babylon-like faith than they did Jerusalem-like faith. They, they, they've experienced faith on the margins, not faith in the center. Now, uh, next session we'll pick up right here and we'll go ahead and close it out. And Father, I thank You for this time. I ask You to open up to us, Father, and, and help us to hear what You have to say. Help us not succumb to digital Babylon, Father, but learn how to operate through the Holy Spirit in the middle of it all. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. See you soon. Queima a impureza do meu ser.